So this is week two of our series, Summer 7. Open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 9 if you haven't already. <clears throat> you can go to the next slide, Daniel. Um, Jeremiah chapter 9 is going to give us a look into the importance of what matters when it comes to boasting. And the reason I, I picked that section of Scripture is because this week I want to talk to you about image. I want to talk to you about your body. I want to talk to you about going to the beach. I want to talk to you about some of the misconceptions that exist out there. I want to talk to you about some of the truths that we have a hard time learning and understanding as followers of Jesus. So I think who we are can be a tricky thing to understand, right? If you've heard any like spiritual advisor or a counselor at your school or something like that, a lot of what they'll tell you is you just need to try to find who you are. And it's like, I don't know how to do that. I know it's, it sounds like very um, helpful and very professional. And a lot of times it's like, hey, you just need to find who you are. Find yourself. And it's like, but I'm right here. I don't know what that means. Find your inner happiness or find what makes you happy in life and all these other things. And I believe that it comes from the fact that too many of us have allowed other things apart from God to identify who we are and who God intended us to be. You know, during the summer, I think it can be a hard thing to grapple with because the trends you and I are being fed right now are this. These are the lies that some of us might be believing as they come up on the screen. The first one, the first misconception that we can um, have a hard time trying to understand is that skinny is pretty, right? Only skinny is pretty. If you're overweight, you're not pretty. If your calves are too big, you're not pretty. <laughs> Story of my life, okay? Can't fit into anything. Um, if you've got a muffin top, you're not pretty. If you're not smaller than a size three girls, you're not pretty. Guys, if you wear over a size 34 pant, what's wrong with you? Lose some weight, homie. Like, those are the misconceptions that exist. Um, wearing makeup is a big thing for girls. Although I guess it's popular for guys right now too for some reason, I'm not sure. Um, we won't get into that, we'll, we'll just save that for another time, um, appropriately. Um, makeup is a big thing. The, the brands that we wear, the shoes that you wear, the, the sandal flip-flop epidemic of just like wearing sandals with pants. Don't do it. Guys, I, I'm more talking about the guys. The girls, it's fine. You, you, you can do whatever you want. But guys, like don't wear sandals with your pants. Like you got your pants like underneath your sandal and you're like, you know, like flop, flop, flop. You know, it's like just, just don't do that, okay? Like I know that we, we, we try to stay away from like being identified by like a certain trend or something like that, which I think is our second point is that we think that top trends build friends. Um, I think that's another misconception that we believe because we think that based on the brand I wear or the, the, the brand I follow or the company I support or whatever else, um, we have this misconception that that will help me build friends because people start to look at us differently. They're like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, like you, you went on summer break, you go back to school, and you've got your new school first day of school clothes. Anyone love that, by the way? I used to love first day of school clothes because I never got any fancy clothes all year. But like first day of school, it was like, you want your Nikes? Sure. I'm like, oh, you know, like super excited about that. And 
we can allow ourselves over the summer to um, start wearing different brands and things like that. We go back to school, and it's like, hey, you used to wear Payless, and now you're wearing, like, Jordan's. Like, that's actually really cool, you know? And you're like, people like me now, you know? Like, I'm accepted, you know? And we allow ourselves to believe that those trends build friends, but I don't think that that's actually the case. I think that's just like, oh, hey, you can identify as one of us. And I think that that can be another misconception about our image, and I think another one, obviously, too, is beach selfies or no selfies. Like, if you're not at the beach 24-7 during the summer, like, what are you even doing with your life? Like, what, like what's your point? You know, like, what is my purpose in life? Oh, it's to be at the beach every single day during the summer, getting as dark as I can because winter is coming, and I'm going to be wearing long sleeves, and the tan's going to fade, and I'm going to be pale white again. Can I get an amen, Donnie? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Or if you're like Donnie, you don't tan, you burn, right? Um, it's just a fact of life. But if you're, you know, Portuguese like me, you, you get a little dark. You should see Avery. Oh, my gosh. Avery is like blackskin. Like, it's crazy. She's dark, dark, dark. I can't believe it. And I'm like, what? How, how did, where'd you get that from? Like, I'm jealous of my two-year-old, okay? Um, that's what happens. You, you, you start to identify with different trends and um, you know, tanning oils and all these other things, and you're like, I don't do that lies, okay? We know what you're all buying. We know what you're looking at on Instagram. Beach selfies or no selfies. But see, for me, I'm, I'm not one. I hate crowds. Anyone else like me? You, you just hate crowds? Like, yeah, we were last week, so we, we were at a wedding last week. That's why I wasn't here. We were at a, a family wedding up in Yosemite, and so we decided to go into the valley. Anyone ever been to Yosemite? Awesome. If you haven't been, go. It's breathtaking every time you go. And so we go into the valley, and it's literally like you, you can't park anywhere. It's 95 degrees, and there are people everywhere. And as soon as I turned in, I'm like, I want to go home. I just want to go home. This is not okay. I hate crowds. Disneyland, forget it. Like, crowd, nope, going home. Like, sorry, that's not going to happen. I, I, I'm just not that person. You, you go to the beach on a Saturday, um, not the biggest fan of that, although for some reason we've got three of them planned so we're uh, going on Saturdays at the beach. So props to uh, whoever did that. I planned it. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm to blame for myself. Um, going to the beach. Anyone go to the beach yesterday? Okay, a few of you went to the beach. Was it crowded? Yeah, it was nasty crowded, wasn't it? Like you go to the beach. Oh, look at all those little dots of people on the beach. Yeah, we're going home, you know. Um, I'm more of a homebody. I want to stay at home because I'm gone so much. I just want to sit on my couch and do nothing. Can I get an amen? Okay, I'm just checking. Because there are some of us who want to go on vacation. We want to do this big extravagant thing. We get on an airplane. We fly to Europe. We do the thing. Whatever. You go to Lake Tahoe. You go down to San Diego. You do the little camping thing or whatever. And it's fun. It's great. I just want to sit on my couch for once. Like, just, just let me watch Netflix. Like, let me just do my thing. But then I remember that I'm a dad and I've got two crazy kids running around at home and all they want to watch is Incredibles right now because it's just the trend and that's what they want to watch. So um, I think that we've come to believe that our summer has to be this constant, over-the-top, off-the-charts experience or it's not even worth being excited about the summer. Either you're out on vacation or you're out in the living room binge-watching every show you couldn't catch up with during the school year. And both of those things are okay, and, and I want to say that to an extent, because I believe that there is more to your summer than beach bonfires, although they are awesome, 
breaking out the tanning oil because you are pale white and working on your tan. But I think that we tend to break apart the season of summer like, it's, like I said earlier, uh, this other dimension. It's so different because it's hot out, 118 on Friday. Like 118 degrees, like how is that even okay? Like yesterday was like 111, that's not okay. Today's supposed to be 105, that's not fun. That's why we're in here and not doing church out there. Um, by the way, I'm actually baptizing after third, so if you want to get baptized, today's a great day for that because the water's going to feel great, um, but also because you need to be obedient to God's calling. That's also another important thing about baptism. Um, but what about those of us who are too self-conscious to take a selfie in our outfit at the beach? What about those of us who don't have a lot of money like other people and we don't vacation in extravagant places? What about those of us who study over the summer to prepare for AP honor classes in the fall? Anyone else doing that? You got AP honor classes coming up in the fall. You're, you know, doing whatever summer school you can so that you can catch up or so that you can actually get ahead of everyone else. See, I think that what we need to remember and you can write this down if you're taking notes. It's not up on the screen. Your summer does not define you. Your summer does not define you. Or even, the, or even the opposite. The lack of summer does not define you. If you're like, I hate summer. You become like a, her, a hermit crab. You just stay in bed all day like, no. And then when school comes out, you're like, okay, I guess it's time to get out. Um, your summer doesn't define you as so often I think it can and the misconceptions. If you look on Instagram, you look on your Explore page, or you even just look at your friends, they're all at the beach, they're taking selfies in front of the water, and they're showing you how hot it was yesterday, and how it was raining yesterday while it was hot, and it's like, are we in California or Texas? I posted a story about that because it was like, this is weird. Um, but we can't allow these things to define who we are, and I think that's one of the misconceptions with this Summer 7 that I want to help you understand a little bit better as to how to not live like that. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. You should have your Bibles open to that. Look at it up on the screen. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. It says, this is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches. Next slide. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. Let's stop there for a moment. Because how often do we allow ourselves to boast in other things? Whether it was eighth grade promotion or whether it was the vacation that you're going on or the lack of vacation you're going on and you just get to sit on the couch for 12 hours a day doing whatever you want to do. We boast in so many things and the scriptures are telling us, hey, if you're rich, don't boast about your riches. If you're powerful, don't boast about your power. If you're wise, don't boast about your wisdom. It says, but boast in this alone, that they truly know me. This is God speaking, not me, okay? Uh, they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates, demonstrates, everyone say demonstrates, demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, have spoken. You can almost kind of like hear him, kind of like judge type person, like hitting the gavel, like I've spoken, you know, like I've, I've declared these things, like this is it. That really hurt, actually. I just smacked my hand. You know when you give someone a really hard high five and it stings? Yeah, that just, like that hurt. Um, you should boast in these things alone. 
that God himself has demonstrated to us what he has done on our behalf. Now, of course, we would, as Christians, we'd be like, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, we should be about that. Yes, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And we're excited about those things. But do we live it out as we appreciate and understand what that actually means? Because during the summer, it's almost as if we take a summer break from God, too. It's almost as if we take a summer break from reading our Bible. Like, I don't need to be as spiritual right now because I'm not as um, spiritually attacked right now as I, as I usually am with my, my peers and friends and things like that. So I'm just going to take a little break from church. I'm going to take a little break from my spiritual relationship to God. And so often, in fact, there are stats that are out right now that say, like, almost 30% of Christians don't do church over the summer. It's like they need a break from God as if he was too much to handle during the rest of the year, and summer is just kind of their getaway from God kind of thing. And I think that that can easily become our mentality as well because we have focused on being in a relationship with God for so often, and we look at school as our way of being able to live out that faith. But then, hey, if I'm not at school, maybe I don't, I don't need to live out that faith as much. I think what happens is we need to focus on what matters most so that we don't lose focus on what matters most. You see, this text here in Jeremiah 9 gives us a look into what really matters in life. And the things that people like to boast about, their wisdom, their riches, and their strength. And the scriptures are saying that what everyone thinks matters in life actually doesn't. The Bible's good at that, if you've noticed, right? You can look at the, the different trends in the world. You can look at the different things that are popular. Um, I don't want to get into it right now. We can get into it later. But I think a lot of the trends that are taking place in, in America, in the Western culture, in Western churches and things like that, they're all, you know, kind of becoming political at times and things like that. And we're, we're wondering, are we actually living for God the way that we should? Or are we just kind of like doing our own thing? We come to church for ourselves. We talked about this a few weeks ago, that church isn't about me, it's about we. And we can so often look at what the rest of the world is doing and think, oh my gosh, God, like, hello, have you forgotten about us? Like, Lord, what's going on? You know, like, I mean, there are so many different things that are happening with um, different identities and sexuality and things like that where people are like, hey, I can be whatever I want to be. I can do whatever I want to do. And you're like, God, what's happening? Why is this so difficult? Why is this so weird? And I think here, here's, here's my encouragement to you with that. If you've ever noticed, like if you ever watch the news, it's the most depressing thing on the face of the planet. Or if you're on Instagram or on Twitter or whatever, or your parents are talking about it, your parents are always talking about whatever's wrong with Trump. Oh, well, the media is saying this about him, but he's actually like the most amazing God in all the world. Like whatever else your parents might be saying or whatever the news might be saying. And it's like, where is God in all of this? I like the fact that Christians are the underdog. I like the fact that the way that America is going isn't the way of Christ, but it's actually the way of their own desires. And the reason I say that is because I think that that means the gospel is going to have more of an impact, that the gospel is going to become even more power, powerful than it already is. 
I'm not saying that it, it becomes more powerful over time because it's always all powerful, but you, you know what I mean. Like people are looking to other political parties for answers. We're looking at legislation and laws to help fulfill these desires that we have to make same-sex marriage okay or to allow yourself to identify however you want. Facebook has like 48 different genders that you can choose from. It's like, I'm pretty sure there's only two. And the idea of all these things, it's like, what is happening? And I think the realities are is that the further America gets away from Jesus, the more they're going to realize their need for Jesus. And so I'm excited about the fact that we are at an opposition because the gospel does really well when it's faced with opposition because something like wisdom can only teach you so much. Riches can only buy you so much. And strength will only keep you strong for so long. But when you have the word of God, when you have Jesus and everything else, he helps you understand what matters most and what will last the longest. Look at social media. What is it that you see the most of people posting about how successful they are, entrepreneurship, how strong they are, you know, a little gym selfie or, you know, it didn't happen kind of thing? Like, hey, I went to the gym today, lies. No, I really did. Picks or it didn't happen. Like, no, like that's exactly what we try to... Um, tend to believe about things and how rich people are with their new toys or their new shoes or whatever else it might be. Those are the things that people are, po are, are posting about, and, and God is saying, hey, those things that everyone keeps boasting about, I mean, this was written thousands of years ago, and the book of Jeremiah is, is relevant to today because of the fact that even people today are still talking about their wisdom and their riches and their strength. What really matters, what will actually last is the fact that even with everything else changing around us, God does not and will not change. You see, we look to things in the world to offer us security and to assure us that we matter. The brands that we wear make us feel important. The games we play make us feel important. I leveled up. Oh, my gosh. Oh, congratulations. I'm number 20 in the world. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. The, follower, the followers we have make us feel important, but God demonstrated, Jeremiah chapter 9 says, how important you are to him by offering himself as a sacrifice. And so I want to give you four things that I think are truths that we need to remember that during the summer will help you understand your relationship to God. Number one, I am created in his image. That's the first one. I am created in his image. Genesis 1.27 says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. You see, God is perfect. Would anyone agree with that? You agree that God is perfect? Okay, if you agree that God is perfect, therefore everything that he creates is perfect. Now, of course, sin has entered the world. Of course, there are... Um, birth defects and diseases and sicknesses and things like that, but that is not a result of God's misworking in your life. He didn't like make a mistake and like try to delete it out of Photoshop or something and try to create another perfect brand of that. Like everything that he did and that he created, he created perfectly. And we beat this drum over and over again because we can't emphasize it enough and you can't hear it more than enough, but here it is. Only God can truly give you an identity. 
Only God can truly give you an identity. We spend so much time trying to figure out who we are, and this whole time, God shows us who we are. When you have kids back, or in, you know, 20 years or so when you decide to get married and all those other things, um, when you have kids, you will understand what a lot of the, what a, a lot of the scriptures mean. When you become a, a father or a mother, you, you'll start to understand a lot of the gospel because of the sinful little children that you have. And then you look back and you see how sinful of a little child you were, and you're like, not me as a perfect angel. That's, that's yeah, you're a sinner, okay? If, like, let's just get that out of the way. Um, and so I've got two little kids at home, as you know, Finley and Avery. Love them, but they're sinners. And they do so well to show me God's love the Father to me because of the fact that I tell them, like, hey, be careful with that. No, I'm a big girl, okay? Uh, last time I checked, you're three, okay? You're not as big as you think you are, okay? And even right now, you're like, no, I'm big. Okay, great. You know, you're a big kid now. We get it. Okay, cool. But you're still 12 years old. You're 13. You're 11. You're 14. I know so much more than my parents. Oh, my gosh, right? And it's like, um, you're still a child, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're still a child. But then turn to your neighbor again and say, well, so am I, okay? No one is excluded from this whole thinking process because of the fact that we all need to grow up just a little bit more. I'm 29. I act like I'm nine. And, and sometimes that's okay. But other times I got to put my foot down my daughter's like, oh, look, a fork. Oh, look, a socket. You know, it's like, uh, don't do that. She's like, no, it's good. Wait, what? No, last time I checked, the result of that is going to be you getting shocked. No, it's good. I'm good, you know. And it's just the rebelliousness in us. And so a lot of times we try to prove to other people that we know what we're talking about or that we're good enough to do it on our own. No, let me do it on my own. Okay, you have fun with that. Okay, let's see how that goes. And there, I can't even, I mean, begin to describe, there's so many different instances, but it's like, hey, let me help you with that. No, I'm a big girl now. Okay, you know what, you little big girl? Why don't you go ahead and do your own little thing? And then, uh, you know, the whole mistake ends up happening, and there's a mess all over the floor, and she's, like, crying. Like, eh. I'm like, I told you. <laughs> like, you know, like, hello. That's kind of what happens. And I think that's, uh, that's how we can treat God a lot of times. God's like, don't do that. Don't define yourself like that. That's not who you are no, but it's who I want to be, you know, like, no, don't, wait, don't, and at, at some point, he's just kind of like, okay, you know what, that's fine, go ahead, do what you want to do in your life, and then you mess things up, you're like, God, help me, you know, it's like, and God is so gracious, a lot more gracious than me, because it's like, I told you so, this is what you should have done, you know, and God's just like, you know what, it's all right, you're good, I love you, but let's move on, and let's learn from this, and I think that that's what we try to do when we try to, to, to define ourselves rather than allowing God to do that. I mean, he's the creator. Wouldn't he be able to define us better than the creation? Number two, I am not a mistake. I am not a mistake. These things all start with I am because I want you to remember them for yourselves. That I am created in God's image. You can remind yourself of those. These are great reminders every morning. I am created in God's image. I am not a mistake. Psalm 139, 13 through 18. 
This is the psalmist talking to God, and he says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. I think he was talking about women there. No, I'm kidding. Your workmanship is marvelous. You are some complex people, though, I will say. Like, are you good? Yeah, I'm fine. She's never fine, okay? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. She's not. Like, there's something bubbling up inside of her. She just needs a little time to process it, just so you guys know in the future. Like, Pastor Brad said, like, they're complex. Okay, like, I need to, okay, let, let them do their thing. That's a whole different sermon, and we'll do that later. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. I don't know what your home is like. I don't know what your parents are like. For some of you, I do, but for most of you, I I don't know the dynamics, the ins and outs. But I know that there is a lot of questioning when it comes to um, giving birth to children, whether or not they should keep the child or abort the child. There is a lot of parents who are, um, what's a nice word I can think of, Um, regretful. It's even still kind of harsh. Like they kind of regret you being born. I'm not saying that that is the, the case for everyone, but maybe you are here and your parents have made it clear to you that they're just kind of like tired of you and, and sick of you. And I, I'm not saying I'm speaking to everyone, but maybe I am speaking to someone because I know that there are some young people who experience this or you overhear a conversation your parents have had and they're talking about lack of finances or how are we going to do this or how are we going to do that or what about this or I don't think we can do that. And sometimes you can maybe feel like a burden to your parents. And maybe sometimes, even if they don't blatantly tell you that, maybe you just sense the burden that your parents have, and then you kind of put that burden on yourself sometimes. I think that you need to get away from the reality that you're not a burden. You're, you're not a burden to your parents, okay? Is it burdensome? It can be at times. It's financially straining because you've got more mouths to feed than, um, than you had before. But the thing I've learned is, one, my kids are never a burden to me. And I think I've learned that only because I've sensed how I was never a burden to my parents, but also because I think that God was gracious to our family, as I'm sure he has been to you. I mean, you're here. You're alive. You have clothes on. Praise God. You have a family. You have friends. You have people here that support you. And so I don't want you to ever feel like you're a burden to your own family because you're not. It's just a way of parents trying to figure life out to give you the best life. And a lot of times we think that the best life our parents can give us is if we ask for anything, they'll give it to us. And believe me, there are times when I've had to say no to my own kids and it's like, I I don't want to say no, but I have to because I want them to learn and I want them to grow and understand that you can't just have everything in life, but there are times when you've got to earn it. There are times when you've got to work for it, but there are also times like, you know what? Yeah, I've got an extra dollar fifty. Like, 
I'll get you that. Like yesterday, I went to the hardware store, had to get some stuff because I had a leak at my house. That's awesome. I hate doing home improvement stuff because I'm terrible at it. And so YouTube is a godsend. Praise the Lord for that. But I go to the, I go to, uh, the store, and we're there picking out different parts and stuff, and Finley wanted to come with me. And I'm like, okay, yeah, for sure. Like, I'd love for you to come with me. And she's, of course, touching everything. What's that? What's that? It's like, I don't know. I'm not good with tools, so I don't know all the names and stuff. And so I'm like, oh, it's a tool thing guy that does this, you know, like it tightens stuff or whatever, you know, like, you know, like I'm trying to be all manly. And then she looks, and of course, at every hardware store, because they know that kids come with them sometimes, there's, there's a little candy section. Dad, can I get one? I'm like, oh, man. Um, no, but how about, how about this? And they, she, they have those little spinner things. It's got the blade on the top and the little, the little stick, and you just, like, fling it, and it goes flying. She was like, Daddy, can I get one of those? I'm like, yeah, for sure. Like, it's, it's two bucks or whatever. And I said, but hey, when you get home, I want you to pick up all your toys, and I want you to clean your room, and then we can play with it. And she got home. She cleaned up her room. She cleaned up her toys, and she was like, can we go play outside now? I'm not saying I'm a perfect dad. I'm just saying, you know what, I think that these are important values for us to understand when it comes to realizing that, hey, we can integrate into the lives of our kids at times, and we don't always have to be the parent, but I think at times we can also feel like we're a burden to our kids, but there are things that you can do also as a child to your parents to prove to them that you're not a burden by asking for things all the time or by believing that you deserve everything. Like, just be thankful for what you have, knowing that it is a gift from God. So whatever others may say about you, know what God says about you. You might make mistakes, but that doesn't mean that you are a mistake. And I think a lot of what people call soul-searching is done because so many people think that they're a mistake and that they need to find why they belong here on earth. Number three, I want you to remember that you have a purpose. I have a purpose. Ephesians 2.10, we've used this verse many, many times because I think that it's very good for you to understand. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Did you notice that? so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Before you made plans for your family, before your family made plans for vacation or for whatever else, financially, getting you a college fund or whatever, God had plans for you long, long ago. And you need to remember that your purpose here is to fulfill that plan, which is to be a representation of Christ to others. If you've ever questioned why you are here, I think that that is for a reason. And the hard thing for us to understand at times is that you may know that you have a purpose, but what is that purpose? Like, okay, I'm told I have a purpose, but what is that purpose exactly? I believe a lot of our image comes from the fact that we deal with a lot of difficult things in life. And a lot of times we believe those difficult things define us, but that is not the case. And I think that's why we have such a hard time trying to figure out our purpose. Because it's like, okay, if I have purpose, if I have meaning, if I'm supposed to do these things, but all these other difficult things keep coming in, how is that supposed to help me with my purpose? Well, I think this. How we respond to our difficulties can reveal our purpose. How you respond to the difficulties in your life can help you reveal what your purpose is. I think I've seen that in my own life when I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was 13, about 15 years ago, coming up on the anniversary in a couple months of when that happened. 
it was like, okay, what's my purpose? Oh, it's to love God, to go to church, to be a good person, to, you know, clamp after myself or whatever, be a good son. And then, like, all these difficulties kept hitting. It's like, okay, I don't believe that's my purpose anymore. I don't believe I even have a purpose, in fact. And maybe you're at a place where you're kind of feeling that too. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 4. It says that God, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. So I think how we respond to our difficulties can reveal our purpose because whatever it is that you have dealt with, guess what? You now have become an opportunity, even rather a blessing to someone else. Like, oh, you're, doing, you're, you're dealing with that? Guess what? I've also dealt with that too. And I've shared that with you before, how when I was first diagnosed, it was like, okay, this really sucks. This is stupid. God, what in the world? Weeks later, I'm seeing that I'm now being able to go to different hospital visits and visit kids who were my age when I was diagnosed, having the same diagnosis and things like that. Fast forward 15 years to when Finley was diagnosed with the exact same thing on the exact same date that I was 15 years apart. And now as a dad having to deal with those things, it's like, okay, what is the purpose of this? God, this does not make sense. Literally a week later, I get a phone call from a family. I think I've told you this before, but I'll, I'll share it just for the sake of the, the purpose, about your purpose. Um, my aunt lives in Texas, and she's like, hey, we have family that is from Texas, but they're vacationing in SoCal because they're doing the whole Disney thing. And at Disneyland, their little nine-year-old daughter, she actually, like, passed out because she was so sick. They took her to the hospital, and they realized that she has diabetes now. And can you just go and pray with her and talk to her? I'm like, uh, yeah, like, of course. And, I mean, you, you can't make these things up because that is God revealing, even despite your difficulties, whatever situations they might be, those are the things that God wants to use to reveal to you your purpose and to say, you know what? with the comfort that you have received from God, even if you at first didn't realize it, you now have an opportunity to comfort others with the same things that you have dealt with as well. And then number four, I am loved and accepted. I am loved and accepted. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Really, the thing that we desire is to be loved and accepted, and we will go out of our way at times to feel loved and accepted by those that we are around. We'll do the craziest things to be loved, to get attention, to be accepted and appreciated, and so often we do things so that others will see our good works, and they will praise us for a job well done, or the opposite happens. And the pity party kicks in, and we want others to accept our failures and to feel bad for us in our moment. That actually makes us feel like, oh, someone is sympathizing with me. Oh, someone understands me, whatever it might be. I want you to look at this quote that's going to come up on the screen. It's from a pastor. His name's Tim Keller. He's a great guy. He's written a lot of books. I've read a lot of them, and he's just an amazing guy. But he says, God sees us as we are and accepts us as we are, or loves us as we are and accepts us as we are. But by his grace, he doesn't leave us as we are. So I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand about God is that even though God loves you and accepts you as you are, he loves you so much that he doesn't want to leave you the way that you are. You see, we do so much to be loved and accepted, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting trying to feel loved and accepted by other people. 
But the scriptures teach us that he went to his death with joy to prove just how loved and accepted you are. Look up at the screen, Hebrews 12, 1 and, 1 and 2. What does it say? It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily can trip us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Remember, Jesus went to the full extent to show you how loved and accepted you are. But so often when we feel loved and accepted by other people, that's when we take our eyes off Jesus. But he's saying do this by keeping your eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross. He disregarded the shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So we can do so much to be like other people, but the one thing that other people can't do is to be like you. Let me say it this way. No one else can be like you because only you can be you. No one else can be like you because only you can be you. And so often we try to mimic our lives after what someone else is doing or what someone else is wearing or what someone else is a part of. And we think, I want to be a part of that. I want to look like this person. I want to live like that. I want to talk like this. I want to do these things like other people. And so often that can kind of make us crazy. But when we remember that no one else can be like us because only you can be you, you remember how God created you for a purpose to know that you're not a mistake, to know that you're loved and accepted, and to know that you were created in his image. You see, God created us to be a reflection of himself, a mirror that allows others to see that there is something greater at work in you than your own work. It is the working of Christ. So if you've, if you've ever doubted your purpose, if you've ever doubted why you're here, or if you've ever wished that God would create you differently, or why did he give me this look, or why is my hair that color, or why are my calves that size, or whatever, the realities of that is that he created you exactly how he wanted to create you. Because each and every one of you are unique and different, I think that that goes to show just how great God is. Because it's very easy for someone to create something of the same kind over and over again, and they kind of perfected it. But God went and made seven billion different versions of people and I think that that screams perfection because of how perfect each and every one of you are. Now, of course, by your actions, you're not perfect. But by the way that he created you, you are perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. And only Jesus should deserve the worship because he is perfect. And so I want to pray with you because as we close out, I know it's very easy to just like receive everything right now. You can look at your notes maybe a little bit later or whatever. And it's like, okay, cool, that's great. I appreciate that and whatnot. But I want you to think about these things as you go about your week. To remember that you're created in the image of God. To remember that you're not a mistake. To remember that you have a purpose and to remember that you're loved and accepted.